Hi, I'm Lauren Hassan, and this is The Developer Show, a career development podcast for tech women by tech women. My guest today is Candace Savino, VP of Engineering at Trump Club. And in this episode, Candace and I are going to talk about her own career journey, as well as the high points and important lessons learned, like how to identify and find mentors, get comfortable communicating and speaking up for yourself, even if you're an introvert. Today, we have our very first episode. We have Candace Savino joining us, who has recently joined the Trunk Club, which is owned by Nordstrom's, as their VP of Engineering. And we are very lucky to have her as our first guest. Candace, welcome. Thank you, Lauren. It's good to be with you. Fantastic to have you here. And we're, we're getting... We're getting real about our careers. We always hear about the stories and how women have climbed to the top of the career ladder, and it sounds like it's a straight path. And the whole focus of this podcast is to get real about our careers and have candid and open conversations. So I'd love for you to talk about your career and what you're doing at Trunk Club right now. And also tell me about how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, I have been an engineer in the Chicagoland area for about 14 years. Um, I decided in, in high school that I was interested in computer science. Um, I took my first programming class in high school as well, and I kind of just fell in love with the, with the creation of, the, of the, the process. I went to DePaul University and got my computer science degree. Um, I graduated shortly after the dot-com bust, which was an interesting time. The industry was very different back then. It wasn't a hot industry to go into. Uh, in fact, my colleagues and I were, were um, worried about even getting jobs at the time. I started my career at IBM. Um, I did internships with IBM um, my junior and senior year in college. Um, and then from IBM, I went uh, into some e-commerce companies. I was at Encyclopedia Britannica for several years. Um, I then went to a gambling company um, called WMS Gaming, um, which later got bought out by Scientific Games. Um, and then I went to Groupon. I was there for a little over five years. Um, I started literally the day after the IPO. So I was there during the, the massive growth um, that that company went through. And then about four months ago, I joined the, the Trunk Club uh, team, and I am acting as a VP of Engineering. Wow, that is quite the career. You know, it's funny that we both started our careers out at IBM and got started coding in high school and then just different tracks. And then part of a, a larger scheme, <laughs> for sure. Um, I, was an I was acting as an engineer all the way up to a principal engineer for about 10 years of my career. I was acting as the tech lead at the time um, and, and, you know, a need surfaced um, that I needed to step into this management role. And I didn't have a lot of mentors around me to tell me how different the job was going to be and how it was going to impact my day to day. Um, I naively thought, oh, my bandwidth will go down a little bit, but I'm pretty much doing this already. So I might as well say yes to it. So that's effectively how I got into management. Um, <laughs> yeah. And after all these years, I, I always make the joke that if I knew I was going to go into management, I would have traded my math minor for a psychology minor because <laughs> it's definitely a different skill set altogether that you don't necessarily think about when you're going through um, you know, university and getting a computer science degree. I love it. And so... So with that, you know, in getting into management, it sounds like the technical hard skills aren't the only thing that matters in being successful. It sounds like there's a soft skill component to that as well on the psychology side. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You need to, you need to understand people, what motivates them, how to grow them. Um, having empathy for other people in general is, um, is really essential and communicating properly, um, to your team, um, whether it's upwards, downwards, sideways, you know, that's, that's, absolutely important. So you didn't necessarily have a mentor who said, hey, you should get into management, but you found yourself getting into management anyway. How did you develop those skills to become a successful executive? I did a lot of research um, and also it was trial and error as I got thrown into situations. Uh, I definitely sought out people um, who I trusted and who I thought did a really good job um, with with. Uh, management skills in general, and kind of like felt my way through it. And so would you so it sounds like you found your way with the mentors. And if you could go back and talk to yourself, maybe 10 years ago, it, it sounds like such a long time ago, but you know, to give yourself advice on maybe finding those mentors, it sounds like you didn't have them in place. But how would you go about it differently in identifying a mentor or even a sponsor? Yeah, that's a that's a really um, important differentiation. I think you always need sponsors and advocates uh, in the organization that you're in, and that person isn't necessarily going to be that mentor that you turn to when you're making like a really big career decision. Um, I think mentorship programs inside of organizations are are beneficial in certain ways, but to be honest, um, the the mentor that's meant the most to me also kind of happened organically. Um, I found myself working on diversity and inclusion initiatives, um, at one of my past companies and I, I was a bit lost in terms of where to start. I mean, there's a, a million blog posts out there these days, but when you're actually inside of an organization and you're trying to figure out what will actually make a difference and, and how to go about this, it, it can be quite, um, overwhelming. So I reached out to someone that's, um, that's pretty popular um, in the industry and has had great success in, in this, these sorts of initiatives. And so I reached out to her and we had a really good conversation and she ended up, um, introducing me to, uh, my current mentor. Um, I never, I never actually worked with her, but she has just been invaluable in terms of getting her advice, um, at various stages of my career. One of the things I love about that is that you've reached out to her. And I have to ask, and I don't know, to our audience, I don't know the answer to this question. Were you at all nervous or was there any hesitation in reaching out to someone and asking for them to mentor you or asking them for help at all? Because I talk to so many women who go, I, you know, what if they say no or I'm not important enough? And that holds them back from making the ask. And, you know, did you ever have any of that emotion? Um, I definitely, it, it felt like I was reaching out to a celebrity. So I felt like the chances of, of her responding to me were probably slim. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I guess in a way I was a little bit nervous about reaching out, but, um, you know, she responded immediately and she set up a call and, and she was so gracious with her time. And, um, you know, that was really inspiring as well. I love hearing that. You know, I read a book early on when I was doing a lot of research for The Resume Girl. Uh, I read a book, and it's Lindsay Pollock, who one of her bit of advice is, is contact your heroes. And I took that to heart, and I started contacting people where people would say, why would you even bother? They won't give you the time of day. And I was, it was just the simple action of asking that other people weren't willing to do because they thought that they knew their response. And I was surprised that I heard back from almost everyone I reached out to. 
And it's amazing how just that one simple little action of asking, asking for help can make such a big difference. And it sounds like it paid off for you in a big way. It did. Yeah, I've definitely learned that you need to ask for what you need. You know, the worst thing that can happen is you don't get it or they say no or they don't respond. So it's definitely worth putting yourself out there and trying. And I also hear this in the context of, oh, well, Lauren, I'm an introvert or, you know, I'm an ambivert and I or I'm not extroverted. And that leave that to other people who are willing to put themselves out there. And what's your stance on that? I've learned a lot about that recently. Um, I saw Susan Cain speak at Uh, the Grace Hopper conference last year. And she wrote an amazing book called Quiet that kind of talked about embracing people that are introverts and how you, um, you know, they can be quiet leaders that aren't necessarily identified traditionally as leaders um, of corporations. And it's, it can be hard. I mean, depending if you're an introvert, you're an extrovert or you're an ambivert, I think certain things are going to be challenging for you, um, one of which might be communication or public speaking. And I think part of the challenge of being in an organization, regardless of what role you're in, is you need to figure out how you are going to communicate and explain what you're doing in a way that feels um, authentic to you, but is also effective. I love that word authentic. How did you go about finding your authentic voice? A lot of trial and error. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I think you need some self-awareness as well um, when you're in a situation or you see how people are behaving. You don't always have to just mimic the person next to you. Um, and so you have to just kind of try different things um, and find and find the right tact that works for you, but also um, effectively communicates to the rest of the organization. Did you have this from day one? Because you come across as very poised, very polished, put together, great communicator, and you clearly have the technical jobs, having worked at IBM all the way to Groupon and now Trump Club. Did this come naturally to you in the beginning or how did that develop? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think I slowly slowly hone some of those skills. Um, there were definitely certain areas of, of, of my job that I, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with. Uh, I had to get comfortable, you know, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. That that's pretty, pretty true across your career. Yeah. A lot of trial and error. Yeah. I love it. It's what I talk about and how you engineer your comeback is that it's not one big quantum leap, that it's a lot of little small actions and movements. It's like Uh, an iterative feedback loop where you you do a little action, build a little experience, build a little bit of connection, and then you tell people about it, and then you learn and repeat. And that's essentially the trial and error methodology, and that you adapt and you keep moving forward. But the the key is that you keep moving forward. That's very true. Absolutely. Well, I love that. Switching gears a little bit, you know, one of the things I, I hear about when I talk to women's groups, especially women who are in the technical field, is how do they approach difficult challenges, which is difficult because a lot of them identify as introverts or they're not comfortable in public speaking. And then they're in situations where they may be facing a, a situation where they've never had to negotiate for something before. Maybe there's some unconscious bias in that. And, and they want to know how do they navigate those waters and How have you done that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, When I started running into certain things um, like that in in the industry, it's really hard to go through those things, whether it's, you know, pretty egregious behavior versus like microaggressions or 
um, you know, tiny paper cuts of unconscious bias. Um, and for the way I, the one way I found um, helped me to cope is to just do a lot of research around unconscious bias and why we were all running into this. Um, and then you learn that unconscious bias is something everyone is, is dealing with. And then it helps me depersonalize the situation and understand why these things were happening. And it, it also, you can also use that as, as a tool to figure out how to navigate that stuff. Um, so I, I actually approached it in a very scientific way. You know, there's, um, there's so much research out there about this topic. Um, I think sometimes people kind of just fall to the blog posts or Twitter um, <laughs> to hear about some of these topics. But um, Anita Borg Institute is a fantastic source of white papers and research around this topic. And, and I definitely navigated a lot of that just through reading um, about the research and, and reading about like what the cause of, of this unconscious bias was. I love that you're taking the, the engineering approach, which is first understand the problem and the different moving pieces so that then you can apply some sort of solution to it. I love that you're staying true to your engineering roots there. Thank you. Yeah, it was the only way I could like really break down the problem because it can be pretty overwhelming. It can, you know, and I think I think it's good to know that it's not just something that you experience, you know, individually, that a lot of women experience it and we just don't talk about it enough and knowing that, hey, you can learn about it and you can move through and past it. Exactly. Yeah, and I... You know, I started this industry, I would say my first two jobs, I was completely oblivious of this topic at all. Like when I was going through school, women in STEM was not a conversation that was being had. This was way before Sheryl Sandberg's book originally came out. And so this this topic wasn't wasn't being had. Um, and I was lucky enough to start out my career at two companies that were incredibly diverse. So I was blissfully ignorant about this um, phenomenon <laughs> for quite a while. Uh, and then when I did run into it, I ran into it pretty hard. Um, so I was I was quite confused at first and, and really not sure how to navigate it. It's almost a shock to the system because you live in this world where it's utopia and you don't have to face it. And then all of a sudden you come to face with it and your world is almost, oh, what is this? This is brand new. Exactly, exactly. And when I did walk into it, I walked into it um, in an environment where, you know, women were like one to two percent of the group. And so it was quite it was quite startling, the contrast of where I was and, and where I found myself. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about your current role right now at Trunk Club is I know a number of women are on the executive team at Trunk Club. And how has that been? How has that been different from other opportunities? Yeah, it's been fantastic, and actually, it, it had it had a, a big um, impact to my decision to come to Trunk Club. There's so much research around the fact that diverse groups just tend to be more effective in organizations, and and I was certainly excited to to learn um, from a more diverse group of, of leaders. Yeah, and so as you're learning, how has your path evolved in learning how to promote yourself? I know. One of the common things I hear from women is it's really hard to talk about myself and what I do. I just wanted my work to speak for itself. Can you share a little of your story that you shared with me earlier about how you learned to do that and how it's impacted your career? Oh, yeah. So I, I've noticed this about myself, and I think that this can sometimes be common um, for women in the industry, is that they tend to focus on their work. They're completely heads down. 
and they're not always telling people what they're doing or communicating or spending much time communicating or putting together PowerPoint presentations to communicate at all. Um, and it's good. I mean, they're focusing on their work, but then at the same time, people can cannot can kind of overlook what you're doing, um, even though it might seem obvious to you, you know, the impact you're making. So I think you need to figure out how to um, surface the work that you're doing, whether that's in, you know, more of a one-to-one -one setting, um, written communication, um, public speaking. I mean, there's really, no one loves public speaking, but there's no way around it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just finding, again, the way that feels authentic to you, but is also effective in communicating what you're doing. Because you can't just assume that people know what you're doing or that, um, you know, people notice the impact. And so when you started recognizing the importance of communicating, or as I say, promoting your abilities and what you've done and your results, when did you start seeing the impact in your career? Can you talk about that? In terms of how, how women can kind of get past that, um, that challenge of talking about themselves, it, it actually helps me when I'm managing and supporting a team because I, I feel like I'm speaking for, for everyone on my team and all of their efforts. I don't think that it's, I'm really like talking about myself necessarily. So I think if you can kind of think about it more, more as like a holistic approach where you're supporting the group and you're not necessarily like advocating for, for yourself, I think that that can help get past it. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that you don't just wake up one day and know how to do it, that it's a learned process. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone that says that they, they understood what they were doing, you know, every step of the way is lying. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's why it's so important that we share stories like yours, where you have such an impressive career doing great things at Trunk Club right now. But for people to know that that it wasn't always this way and that there was a process to getting there and that process wasn't always fun or easy, right? Right, right. Yeah, there's always a lot of um, rough patches, but what I've learned about the rough patches is if, if nothing else, you've at least learned something during that experience. So, you know, focusing on that has definitely helped me get through some of those rough patches. Okay, well, this is fantastic. You know, I think the most important thing that everyone can learn is, look, Candace, you have this the most impressive career. You're working at Trunk Club, which is like the tech fashion side of Nordstrom, which I think is any woman's dreams. I know it would be one of mine. Yet your career hasn't always been easy. You've had your fair share of setbacks and you've had a number of things you've had to learn along the way. And I think that's so powerful for women out there to know that they can do that too, because you are such a role model for them. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I know you're up to a few things at Trunk Club. Uh, would you like to share a few of the things that you have going on? Yes, um, we are hiring. Um, if you are an engineer in the Chicagoland area and you're interested in uh, helping us disrupt the retail industry, uh, please take a look at trunkclub.com dot com slash careers um, and take a look at our open positions. Well, fantastic. I, if I lived in Chicago, I'd be calling you up myself. So <laughs> women out there, please take her up on that offer. Reach out to her. You never know what's going to happen. It, but if you don't take action, nothing can happen. That's so true. Candace, thank you so much for joining me today. And we look forward to our next episode. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our mailing list to receive updates on new episodes and other fun goodies. And until the next episode, make today better than good.